This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello and welcome to our fourth episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. I'm so excited that you've joined. Today, we're going to talk about how to develop a great sales team. I'm Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, coach, and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. I'm so excited to have you listening. Welcome to the Divine Comedy of Sales. Now, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, this podcast and the book that preceded it, which was also called The Divine Comedy of Sales, were created with you in mind. And today, when we talk about how to develop a great sales team, I'm thinking of you and the feeling that you'll have when you look at your team's performance and you realize, I've built a really powerful, cohesive, effective team that works well together. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So welcome once again to The Divine Comedy of Sales. So you may be thinking, how can I develop a great team? Uh, I've made some really good hires. I feel, I feel good about the people that we've brought into the organization. Sure, maybe I have some concerns about certain members of the team, but my mission ultimately is to build a team which is truly great, that has that esprit de corps, the team spirit, where members of the team know that there is great strength to be found in working effectively as a team, working harmoniously, all working toward the same set of goals, helping one another. And that's what we mean by developing a great sales team. So the big question is, how do we build that team spirit, that esprit de corps? There are a few critical elements that are required for building that sort of team spirit. The first is establishing clear expectations. As a leader myself, one of the habits that I've really focused a lot of energy on uh, over the years in my leadership roles, whether as an interim leader or as a, a full-time head of sales or as a sales manager, has been setting clear expectations. The reason for that is I've experienced kind of both sides of that coin, what it feels like to work on a team where the expectations are unclear versus what it's like to be a part of a team where the expectations are crystal clear. And there really are three basic elements or questions that we have to address as leaders if we want our teams to be clear about what's expected of them, which I'm saying is one of the few critical elements that is required to have a team that has that high level of motivation and morale. Very simply, the questions are what, why, and how. This is a lesson that I've carried over to my sales leadership coaching and development practice, and it's a conversation I have with leaders on a regular basis. Does your team really understand what's expected of them? And frankly, a lot of the time, the answer to that question is maybe. So if you're thinking about your team and looking at how they operate, consider this question. Do they understand what you are trying to achieve as a team, what they're trying to achieve individually? Do they understand why those things are important? 
Why are they important to us collectively? Why are they important to those individual members of the team? And do they know how to meet expectations? Do they know how to go about the work in order to meet those expectations? You know, there's a funny thing about the profession of sales. I see so many leaders that are responsible for a sales team's development, uh, who have a leadership title, who don't feel the need to explain what is expected of salespeople because they're just supposed to get it. They're just supposed to figure it out. I can tell you firsthand, being a bag-carrying seller myself, being a frontline leader and being a chief revenue officer, head of sales, uh, working for leaders who did not feel it was their responsibility to clearly articulate expectations. And I can tell you firsthand that there may be nothing more demotivating than having a leader who stands aside and voices their disapproval when you don't meet their expectations, when they haven't set those expectations clearly in the first place. Boy, talk about feeling like you're set up to fail. So the critical element here, the first key point that's associated with having teams that have that great motivation, that high level of morale, that drives them to overperform, to stretch, develop, to exceed goals, right? Not simply just achieve them, but to exceed. It hinges on that team knowing what is expected of them. Put yourself in their shoes for a moment. How could you possibly be motivated to achieve a big goal if you don't understand the why or the how behind it? Or if you don't understand how you're supposed to work with your teammates or support one another to achieve that big what, right? The big goal. So it's for these reasons that I believe that esprit de corps starts with clear expectations. Another key element that's required to develop a great sales team is to establish some common ground. What do I mean by common ground? I mean, common goals, common challenges, a common vision of what it looks like when we work well together. If you think about what a typical sales team looks like, you have a group of individual contributors with individual territories, their own quotas, their own account lists. And in this profession, we put an awful lot of emphasis on individual performance. And that's right. Every seller on a team is responsible for their results ultimately. So what does a group of individual contributors who are each responsible for their own performance, what could they possibly have in common? Well, they have similar obstacles to overcome. I may be selling in Dubuque, but my counterpart in Austin or London or Tokyo might be dealing with the same headwinds that I am in the market in which we're selling. But do we as leaders help all of those individual members of a sales team understand what those common challenges are? My experience is, no, we don't. We allow individual challenges to sort of remain an individual. We don't necessarily call out when we have common hurdles or obstacles to overcome. But in my experience, when you can help members of a team understand, hey, we're all facing very similar challenges. We're all dealing with, with similar obstacles. It has a unifying effect. Sometimes just the recognition that we share a common problem can be enough to unite people from all different walks of life. My question to you is, 
Have you captured what those few common obstacles are that may be afflicting the whole team? If you've done that, have you communicated those with the team in a way where everyone has a chance to reflect and realize, hey, wait a minute, we're in the same boat, right? We're unified by the fact that we're really struggling to overcome this issue or seize that opportunity. I see far too many leaders who don't play those challenges back to the team and they do so to the team's detriment. What you end up with when you don't share those common challenges across your team is a bunch of individuals who believe that their struggles are unique. They're on an island, they're alone. So in a strange way, when we capture common challenges and communicate them to the team, it does not have a demotivating effect. It has a motivating effect as long as we help people to understand, hey, this is common ground and we're all going to work together to figure out how to overcome these obstacles. Now, of course, it can't be all about obstacles and difficulties when we're reaching for common ground. We have to have a common vision of success for the team. What are we all trying to achieve? What rewards will we share when we collectively achieve something great, like exceeding our team goals? And I'm not necessarily just referring to monetary gains or rewards, but I'm talking about how do we as a team contribute to the success of this business? How do we make a strategic impact on our company? How do we create a result that no one thought possible? What is that vision of success? And more than just the big, hairy, audacious goal I was talking about earlier, right? When we're talking about setting expectations and the big what, we're talking about helping a team to understand not only what we are trying to achieve collectively, but why it's important and how we need to go about the work. If the what, why, and how starts with a big picture vision, a common vision of success that is of a more strategic nature, it's more than just hitting a number but doing something strategically important for our business, then that also has a huge impact, a unifying impact on the team. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. Now, the third key element that's required for building a great sales team and establishing that esprit de corps is high trust. You know, there's a great book written. It's about 20 years old. It, it was called The Trusted Advisor, still available. It was written by uh, David Meister, Charles Green and Robert Golford. And I just think they did a brilliant job of defining what trust looks like. The context of their book was defining trust uh, within the kind of the buyer and seller relationship, but they, it definitely applies to other relationships. So when I say high trust, I want to use their trust equation as a reference point because it's so elegant and simple. Uh, for me to come up with a simpler or clearer model for trust building uh, would be pointless. I just think it's that good. So let me share some high notes from their book. And then I'll bring this right back to the idea of esprit de corps and building a great sales team. So these gentlemen offered the trust equation 
in the book, The Trusted Advisor. And if you can picture a division problem, they've got trust equals. And there are three factors uh, above the line in the division problem that positively affect trust and one factor that negatively affects trust. So quickly, the three factors that affect trust positively are credibility, reliability, and intimacy. Credibility means I, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I'm credible in my subject matter. Reliability is I do what I say I'm going to do. Uh, intimacy speaks to the not only the frequency with which we interact, but maybe the level of confidence uh, it would be a way of putting it in terms of the information we share with one another. So credibility, reliability, and intimacy, those all positively affect trust. And then there's one factor that is below the line in this division problem that negatively affects trust, and that's self-orientation, meaning that if one demonstrates a high self-orientation to others, then that has a seriously negative impact on the trust equation. So why do I mention that? If you think about how a team functions, all four of these factors, you can see exactly how in a real world sense, they affect trust. If I'm a member of my team and I don't find my leader or members of my team to be all that credible, I don't think they know what they're talking about. I'm not gonna trust them very much, am I? If I cannot rely on team members to deliver what I need, or they back out of their promises, or they cannot be relied upon in sales calls or in group settings, then I'm not going to trust them very much. If I don't interact very often with my team leader, or if I don't talk to somebody who runs a territory on the other side of the country, we don't have that sort of intimate connection, how well am I going to trust that person? I might like them but I'm certainly not going to trust them very much. Why? Because I don't know them very well. And then with regard to self-orientation, of course, if we have members of a team who are acting selfishly, they put their own agenda ahead of others, that of course is going to have a negative impact on morale and motivation. Why? Because it reduces trust. So if you use the model, the trust equation from that trusted advisor book, which again, I totally recommend. You should go pick up a copy, uh, buy it for everybody that you care about because trust is such an enormous factor in relationships of all kinds. And make a conscious effort to build trust within your team, then that is very likely to have an impact on that esprit de corps. Trust is a funny thing. There's no neutral in trust, right? We are either building trust or eroding it. So if you're listening to this and thinking about the degree to which there is trust among your team, if you're doing nothing about trust, there's a really good chance that on a daily basis that there is more happening that could erode trust than there is that will build it. Trust building requires a conscious effort. And if you want to develop a great sales team, you must have a plan for developing, maintaining, and increasing trust within that team over time. So I've said a few things about what it takes to build a great sales team. First, I mentioned that team has to understand clearly what is expected of them. The what, why, and how, right? Those are the three questions you must anticipate and answer for your team if you want them to be clear about what is expected of them. Second, establishing common ground is critical. 
What is that common vision of success for the team? And what are those common struggles? What are the hurdles and obstacles that each member of the team faces that they may not even realize that others are facing, right? That is a great route to establishing common ground among teammates, particularly those who don't have a lot of interaction with one another on a daily basis. And then finally, you've got to build a high trust team, an environment where trust increases day by day and is not eroded. Why? Because there's a plan to maintain trust because it's such a critical element to establishing that esprit de corps, the kind of team spirit that drives high performance. Speaking from firsthand experience, you can have a team of highly effective individual contributors, but if they don't trust one another, that team will never reach its full potential. And is there anything more frustrating for a leader than having a team of talented individuals that just never quite reached that level of greatness? So that's really what we've been talking about in this episode, how to develop a great sales team. And I really hope that you found the ideas that I've shared in this episode helpful to you. In our next episode, we are going to dig into how great leaders prioritize now, you may hear that and think, well, didn't we already talk about time management and operating rhythms? And well, yes, we did. But what I'm referring to is how great leaders assess their priorities differently and are ruthless in terms of how they prioritize their effort and apply their most precious assets where they know they will get maximum payoff. Intrigued? Well, join me for the next episode and I will share with you the top few ways in which great sales leaders prioritize differently. Until then, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye for now. Look forward to seeing you in the next episode.